Good evening, boys, and in case I don't see you, good night, good morning, and good afternoon. Oh, yeah, you Tonight. went backwards on that. <laughs> well, because it's, it's evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you threw me out with Tonight. that. You threw me out with that. Tonight we find out how a 1998 Oscar nominee predicted the future. <laughs> yeah. Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspects. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm going to make them an awfully gown with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. Mark, what are we watching this week? We're watching The Truman Show. Jim Carrey, 1998, like you just said. Uh, directed by Peter Weir. Weir and starring Jim Carrey. Intro for us this week is provided by Anonymous on IMDb. I don't know why they wanted to make themselves anonymous. I thought this was the winning hand. But uh, he's a star of the show, but he doesn't know. Truman Burbank is a man whose life is a nonstop TV show. Truman doesn't realize that his quaint hometown is a giant studio set run by a visionary producer, director, creator. That folks living and working there are Hollywood actors. That even his incessantly bubbly wife in a, is a contract player. Grab Gradually, Truman gets wise, and what he does about his discovery will have you laughing, crying, and cheering. Well, boys, uh, what did you think? How was your rewatch? Nico, moment in time. How was the rewatch? Initial thoughts? Jump right yeah, in. Yeah, I saw it in the theater when I was in high school, and I remember thinking it was just okay. I was used to the Jim Carrey slapstick, and I didn't get it, and I think I was kind of let down by that, but what I realize now as older is this is a way better movie for his career at that time, and... It was brilliant, and I was the one lacking in not this movie at all. Wow, okay. So I'm glad. How Had you not seen it since high school? I have not. I saw this movie once in the theater and just dismissed it. And that was it? Wow, yeah. so this was probably a really good rewatch for yeah, you. Yeah, okay. it, was. it was. Jeff, what about you? Yeah, so I saw this movie with my parents, uh, and I remember being uh, thinking it was super interesting that Jim Carrey was going to play kind of a serious role. And it kind of blew my mind, and I wasn't sure I would he would pull it off. But I remember my mom specifically saying that Jim Carrey is a pretty talented actor, uh, just inter or entertainer in general, and I think he is going to surprise you. And why that always stuck with me was uh, my mom was not like, necessarily a Jim Carrey fan at that time. I mean, her, his three 1994 hits, she definitely was not a Mask, Dumb and Dumber, or Ace Ventura fan. It really wasn't her demographic. Yeah. I was. But she'd seen a couple of them, like just be having them on around the house or whatever. But 
she just it just really struck me she's like no that guy can do more than i think that guy can do more than comedy <laughs> there's just a lot of talent there it's like the and teacher in her was, seeing potential in everyone huh she was right and it was just it blew my mind that my mom had that like perception because i was like going into it not knowing um the other the other thing that stuck with me was i really was really excited to see it because my favorite one of my favorite english my favorite english teacher uh, miss cachetti shout out to miss cachetti uh talked about how brilliant this movie was and we had after i saw it we actually had some really deep good discussions about this film uh that stuck with me the rewatch was awesome this movie absolutely holds up i think peter weir is a genius and i'm gonna get into a lot of why i love his films later during career corner whoa jumping in genius i love it so that's my moment in time Mark. I remember, so I remember seeing this movie in high school, and I'm kind of like Nick, actually. I, I That's all I remembered. <laughs> I'd seen yeah. bits and pieces over the years, and outside of seeing this movie in high school, I remember Laura Linney because of Ozark, and uh, that's where I was, for, I think, I first introduced to her as... Uh, I know you guys are fans of that show, or at least I know Jeff is. I love but, that show. Fan of Laura Linney. Yeah, exactly. Me, me, uh, me as well. But I hadn't revisited Truman too often. I'd seen bits and pieces over the years on TV here and there, but it was such a fun rewatch, like you said, and it was way better than expected because I just I don't think I appreciated how great it was. Like I loved it when I saw it, but I kind of forgot about it, or it just kind of got lost in the... It's not one of those movies that you kind of went and rewatched a bunch of times, you know? I told like, Nick, I remember it coming out on video when, when I, I had just started working at the video store, and then a year later, that movie, Ed TV, came out with McConaughey. Oh, yeah. And I just, I always connected the two of those movies together oh, for, sure. for some reason. And even, they, they're kind of, I mean, they have similarities, but this is a really fun rewatch, like you said, so. What worked, Nick? Jump in. Well, I think Jeff hit it pretty pretty well saying that it predicted the future obviously we became a society that enjoy i mean that's seriously the best part like watching this now it just makes so much more sense but we became a society that enjoyed watching people's day-to-day lives the mundane people posting on instagram what we ate today and i think that that them predicting that ahead of time and making saying that it's going to be interesting i think just blows my mind to be honest and i couldn't get over that the whole time i was watching this how so how, it probably seemed stupid to us in 98 because it kind of was stupid we didn't know what we were about to become right we had no idea yeah. and the, and now watching it the concept's absolutely amazing yeah and truman burbank he's the original gangster of reality television yeah but he <laughs> might true. but is he the only one like when you think about it, is he the only one? And this is why I say that because I was reading, I was reading an article and they talked about Truman and how what makes him so special is all the other imposters the last couple of decades all knew they were being filmed, whereas Truman didn't know. And so the article was making an argument for Truman being the you know the the only <laughs> like reality TV star because everybody else got to put on whatever show they want because they knew they were being filmed essentially. Well that's that's the whole that's the whole thing, right? Is it the it's like flipped what it did predict the future but it was kind of the other way. In in the Truman show other people or Christoph specifically are manipulating his life and making it look a certain way. Yeah. To him and the but rest of the world. But he has no clue. It's but in, just, I mean, it's just well, right, crazy. but I was going to say, but what, what ended up happening um, to Nick's point with like Facebook and Instagram is we became the Kristovs of our own lives. <laughs> and basically the 
the the image people put out there on Facebook and Instagram is kind of the same way Kristoff put up this idealized image that maybe didn't necessarily reflect what was in Truman's head, but that's not what people saw. The same that what people necessarily put out on Instagram and Facebook might not necessarily reflect the life that person has, but it's the it's they're manipulating their own oh, yeah. version of their life. For I just I think it's interesting how that most people's how it Facebooks ended up being are flipped. their greatest hits. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but that's it's, what Facebook is for most people. It's their greatest or their or their idealized image of what they'd like their life or what they'd like their life to be. The same way that Truman's life was Kristoff's idealized image. Right. of what he would like a life to be. Oh, yeah. So there's definitely a demographic that uses social media for that, for sure. For- mm-hmm. And at this time, there's only really the real world out there. I mean, that, well, to my knowledge, that we had... A I was trying to think, when did TV? Survivor? 1999? Yeah, Survivor was like... So we literally... Man, this predated every... Other than well, the real here's world. the thing. This predated the real world, everything. The real world, they knew they were being filmed, once again. Yeah. Like, yeah that's what makes this movie so interesting. It makes it so cool. And I, you know what I love about the whole, I love the whole Leave It to Beaver Wonder Years vibe that the oh, setting yeah. kind of gives me. <laughs> I was very just, Wanda, very WandaVision. Yes, very, yeah. yes, very WandaVision. There's a but, reference, there's actually a reference to I Love Lucy when he's watching it at one point in the movie. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And I love, I love Lucy. Equate this <laughs> to that point, Mark. I actually, I actually often lump this movie in with another one of my very favorite movies, um, Pleasantville. Uh, because it's the same concept of that ideal, that idealized 1950s vision where everything's perfect, but then when you kind of get under the surface, uh, it not necessarily is. And I always, the scene where the rain kind of messes up, or that thing that like satellite basically nose dives or whatever, <laughs> that always reminds me. That actually reminded me of two things. This time it reminded me of a couple of the things that go awry during WandaVision, during the first couple episodes. And the second thing, but the other thing, the thing it always reminds me of is the scenes in Pleasantville where, like, the colors start to turn. And just that whole, like, everybody has this vision that the 1950s was this perfect utopian society. Yeah. And it it always peel, you peel that later under, and it's always like it wasn't necessarily as perfect as everybody thought it was. Very similar very similar to the facade that people put out on Facebook. Absolutely. I, I just I, I find that interesting. I mean, it's going to be funny if aliens have no interactions with humans, and they find our Facebook post two hundred years in the like two thousand years in the future. <laughs> they're going to think every single person was happy. They never fought with their girlfriends <laughs> or their wives. And this was the greatest <laughs> planet ever. ever. <laughs> All these people do is smile and go go to really cool places. <laughs> And they eat really good food. <laughs> right. <laughs> Imagine what that's going to look like if they have no context. <laughs> <laughs> and I you see, I loved all the awkward fake product placement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so good. <laughs> they, it's, like, it's, it just adds such great so humor at just random times because, once again, Jim Carrey plays it so great. And he just has no idea. And he, uh, there's moments where he's just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. He can't say it because it's PG. And it's just perfect. No, like when he's talking to those two twins and they push his back. Up oh, they push his I mean, that's the daily routine. That's the new advertisement. Like, that one's great. But I think it's like the mochaccino one or the mocha, whatever, the coffee. And he's about to, he's like in the middle of an argument. And she like picks up the coffee and <laughs> it like I'm holds glad it you- up. I'm glad you mentioned that, Mark. I'll, I'll get into a little Peter Weir love here right now. Uh, one thing Peter Weir has always done really good in his career is he takes 
he takes a lot of actors that maybe haven't done real dramatic roles before and he he gets great performances out of him. The first time he did it was with Harrison Ford, who literally just did Indiana Jones. I, I know I love him, but it's more action-orientated. But uh, Harrison Ford got his only Oscar nom of his entire career with um, Peter Weir doing Witness. That's uh, a good movie. That's a really Robin, good movie. Excellent movie. Robin Williams, his very first... Now, he's done a lot of dramatic roles, Goodwill Hunting and other things later on, but his first dramatic role after being mostly just a comedian, a comedian Dead very poets. similar to Jim Carrey was Dead Poets Society. Yeah. He also gets an Oscar nom for Dead Poets Society. So Peter Weir has this incredible ability to draw just great performances out of actors where you that like hadn't necessarily got it before. And he does the same thing with Jim Carrey because this is kind of Jim Carrey's first dramatic role. And I think that's just a really cool trait that Peter Weir does. Yeah, it, 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 this, it, Jim Carrey hits a home run. This is arguably his best movie. I... It's hard to disagree. It's this or Eternal Sunshine, right? Yeah, those are probably my two favorite, and I want to get into that a little bit later. But yeah, I, and we'll talk about that because, yeah, and probably Dumb and Dumber. Those are the top three, but we'll get into that later. But anything else that works for every, anyone, either of you? We've kind of covered everything. The only other thing that I have big in all caps in my notes is the musical score was so amazing in this movie for me it's really good it's really good so because there's basically two scores going on so the normal score that we're loving but then we have like the truman show score within the score and so it's kind of just magical what's going on with what they did there and i just didn't want to leave it unmentioned because kudos to them but, All right, uh, well, let's get into favorite it. Scene. Favorite scenes. Oh, <laughs> jinx. Jinx. Uh, Nick, you weren't jinxed. You go first. I love the scene where he goes through his like adolescence falling in love with Natasha Mikkel Elhorn. Is that her name? The girl from Californication. I thought that was We're really interesting. We're just going to call her Sylvia, right? That's, Sylvia. That's yep. Sylvia, the one that got away. Yeah, the one that got away. Literally. Actually, she didn't get away at the end. She ran out of her apartment, and we're left to assume that she went to go meet Truman. I thought that was a really interesting twist, you know, and it, it told us a lot about his uh, relationship with his wife and how he was kind of forced into it and how loveless his marriage was. It told us a lot in that one little scene about following your heart and passion and how it was taken from him. And his it marriage just kind of should be loveless this. because it was all fake. Yeah. Even though he didn't know it. Yeah. He, he, he was duped into falling in love. That's... A big Peter Weir trait. He loves movie. He loves exploring cultures. And how cultures base cultures and institutions and how basically institutions will impose their will on the individuals that live within their for the for them to fit into the culture in in dead poet society it's the boys to fit into what you know the modern men they're supposed to be made into and the in witness it's the culture of the amish and these perfect non-violent people they're supposed to be um i could go on and on but like a lot of I thought a ton there's this time watching this movie I thought about how all of us are manipulated in various ways into marrying at a certain age getting having kids at a certain age and a lot of our lives are not that different from the Truman show obviously this is an extreme example of it but literally pushing him into these life decisions as simple as going back to like the little girl when or when he's a kid when he's a kid and the teacher saying nope you're too late there's nowhere left to explore <laughs> and just 
And the same way, I mean, we're we're back, to, I mean, probably for good reason, because it's good to go to college or whatever, but you're pretty much forced into the box of college coming out of high school. Like, it just made, it just, it really made me think about how in some way we're all a little bit of Truman because our, our institutions push us in certain directions. My favorite scene, well, outside of the ending, and we can talk about that, but I love the scene when Truman's reunited with his dad, and it has nothing to do yeah. with Truman being reunited with his dad. It's okay. a great scene. It's, it's the whole control room stuff with Kristoff, and the music, and the, the camera shot. stuff. The, I just, the camera angle. I just, is... I, okay, so I love the scene, and then I love the celebration. Like, they just knew, okay, we just locked up our next Emmy Award. Like, you could just tell the whole well, celebration. And then the producer comes in, like, oh, you really hit it out of the park with so that So we've one. all... We've we've all seen some reality TV. That shot, that long shot when they have that reunite, I swear that's the shot they use on The Bachelor every week. (laughs) I wouldn't know. Keep going. No, but I I read in the notes, so Peter Weir gave like a whole like 10 page like backstory on the the show, like on Kristoff and the show and the history of the show. And like it had won a bunch of Emmys beforehand, so when I read that, it just made that scene so great and perfect, and it just lined up for me. That's I just awesome. I just got such a kick out of it because I'm cracking up because he's like he's waiting for the perfect music moment, and he's holding off on the camera shot. He's like, wait, 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 and in Jim Carrey, he thinks he's being reunited with his dad. He has no clue, so it's it's just. I, you just laugh at certain moments, and it, 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 you feel terrible for Jim Carrey, but it, you can't help but laugh at just the way the scene is done. But I mean, this this movie literally could have been named Gaslighting. Yeah, <laughs> like this was this 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 film is the definition of gaslighting for anybody that wonders what gaslighting means. <laughs> like, um, Nick, favorite scene? Were you good? Uh, I already went. I already went. Oh, you already went. Yeah, that's right. All right, my favorite scene is when when when. Uh, when Jim Carrey, when Truman basically figures it out, and he, I just love the scene in the car with him and Laura Lenny, <laughs> and when it's just Jim Carrey's manic, manic energy at its best, and just you, you're kind of on edge. You don't know what's going to happen, and you like, you start to fear a little bit for Laura Lenny's character, <laughs> but at the same time. You're super happy about what Jim Carrey's do. I I feel like the way that that was done, only Jim Carrey could pull that scene off, because he he he's he's both just a little crazy, but you're still rooting on him, and but at the same time you're kind of fearful for the other character. I I just thought that scene was great. Yeah, I, uh, I uh, no, I love it. I absolutely love it, and I just love the payoff at the end. With, yes, where. <laughs> Kristoff is just he he realizes he's screwed but it cuts to I just I I love how it cuts to all the real world people we've seen watch yep. watching this show and we see all their reactions <laughs> I, just, I I love the one guy saying well what else is on what else is on okay <laughs> we finally wrapped that one up but they're totally engrossed the entire movie it's <laughs> It's good. They were good. I could have used more. I could have given. I could have gotten more of those. I could have. In, in. That's it. Really works, and that's something that like a credit to them putting the film together right because that's something I think in a lot of films might not work. Like a lot of times, like gimmicks like that end up being a distraction. 
I love every minute we spend at the Truman. There's a Truman bar. Yeah, the Truman How great bar. is that there's a Truman? And you get the one yeah. guy, he's like, the that's guy on the, the greatest tub? hits already. <laughs> the cr- we have that on the greatest hits. <laughs> I, I kind of like the guy in the tub. <laughs> oh, the guy in the tub is great. The end, the payoff at the end, he, he gets out of the tub. Yes. <laughs> like, he's celebrating, he finally gets out of the tub. Oh. <laughs> like, I... I could have. I'm with you, Mark. I could have even used more of those guys. Yeah, even the so, old ladies on the couch like, with the with the Truman with their pillows. pillows? Oh, yeah, the Truman pillows. <laughs> oh man, I, I loved all right. It. Favorite quotes. Uh... Good morning. Morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> what do you got, Nick? Um, we accept the reality of which we are presented. That's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Great line. Yeah, yeah. It, it's good. I love right. I, I love the opening interview where he's, we've become bored with watching actors give us phony emotions. We're tired of pyrotechnics and special effects. While the world he inhabits is, in some respects, counterfeit, there's nothing fake about Truman himself. No scripts, no cue cards. It isn't always Shakespeare, but it's genuine. It's a life. And it really sets up the the movie, and it sells it. And it, for me, it, I was all in on this story. It, 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 I totally bought the concept the whole time. I love the cleverness of it. Certain movies are just clever, and this one was. And I didn't yeah. appreciate it when I was I in agree. high school, and I totally appreciate it now. So. I, I think everybody was kind of in our boat, where they kind of saw it, expected the slapstick, didn't get it, and just moved on in their life. Yeah, it was like, I, oh, I, loved, it. I loved it in high school. I, but I think I had the benefit of, of Miss Cachetti giving me some heads up on some of the meaning and stuff. She probably gave me some cliff notes. Um, I yeah, I had you guys use my like those were the quotes. I I love that we accept the reality of the world in which we're presented. Um, I love when I mean, you could think about that tries, quote for days. I love when Kristoff tries to tell him, "I know you better than you know yourself," and he he just instantly fights back. And you never had a camera in my head. That was yeah. a really good line. Too. It's not necessarily a great quote, but it just it reveals something great about the characters. I love when they're. When they're talking about doing the interview, and he thanks him for the interview, and he says, "We know how demanding your schedule is, and we all know how jealously you guard your privacy." And I love the irony of Kristoff being a guy that didn't want anybody in his business <laughs> when he created this world where basically right. everybody is in somebody else's business. I love that irony. Uh, I just love when he walks out the door finally, too, and then he turns back and he, you know gives the. I also the like that we guy. don't see we don't see where he goes. I like that being left open ended. Yeah, we, a good afternoon. We, we could have seen him and Sil- good evening and good night. Good night. We could have seen him. I mean, they they easily could have done the him and Sylvia catch arms, embrace, and all of that. Right. But we don't need that. I I think it him walking into the dark unknown is and Outside also the bubble. Yeah. Also ending it for us as an audience when the rest of the audience. I'm almost surprised we didn't get that. I am too. I, I think it's, oh, in the sequel, what, what, Truman in the Real World? Truman in the Real World is a sequel, <laughs> and with Sylvia trying to, you know, I, I, I'm surprised, I, I was, I'm really surprised we didn't get that because this movie was so I had a lot of ponderings about, like, how much uh, Truman, like, did he get a real education? Is he going to be just helpless out in the world because everybody just exactly. spooned at him? He's going to find Sylvia and she's going to help him through it. And they're going <laughs> to find. They're, they're going to. I mean, he's famous. obviously he's, he's going to write a he's book. Famous. He's going. Well, he's <laughs> going to get a shit ton of money from Kristoff. He's going to be set up for life. Yep. That's going to happen. They're going to meet and all that's good stuff. We're we're into ponderings here and we shouldn't be. But hey, whatever. He's that's probably going to bitter. He's probably going to bitterly actually do a follow up Truman show where he is aware. Because 
that's what he'll that's where the money will be for him yeah <laughs> if we want to go the dark reality what didn't work mark Really, I didn't have much that didn't work for me. The only thing it was a nitpick. Like I said, I wish there was more from the outside world with those characters. I, I just, I really like those parking lot attendant dudes. I, I don't know if I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's what they are, but I think that's what they were. But I, yeah, I just totally, I really enjoyed those takeaway moments because I feel like the whole world would be entranced with this concept of. Well, they are. I mean, if you remember the final of... If you remember, like, when... I mean, I was never that into it, but I I remember when they did the final of Survivor, like, it had this crazy rating attached to it. Literally, the whole world was on the edge of their seat while Richard betrayed... Yeah, well, Survivor's been going strong, what, 25 years? People are still loving it. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, those... Yeah, I mean, even nowadays, like, people, the, the finales... I don't watch them, but, like, the finales of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, people are on the edge of their seat for that shit. Yeah, so. but I still don't even know how much of that's fixed, though. Here's the th- and once again, that's manipulated just like this show. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it, no, do you you know that reality TV shows have scripts, right? There are yeah, writers exactly. on reality yeah, TV shows for sure. But my it's point is, Truman didn't know he was duped. He had to figure right. out he was being duped. That's true. That's one of the things I loved about Kristoff. Like when he was being interviewed, he, he because Meryl was you know Laura Linney was like, I'm out. I can't do this. <laughs> you you notice like he throws in. Oh, uh, Truman's gonna have a new love interest. Yeah, we meet that. We meet that love interest at work. Like, but it totally works with the way the show is. It totally makes sense. (laughs) We are gonna have. We are gonna have the first on-air conception. (laughs) (laughs) I I had under what didn't work. Not much. I this. It's the right length. It never feels too long. I never feel like I want more or less. I, I. It left me wanting more, like you, Mark, which is a good thing. Versus. It's always better if you're left wanting a little bit more than if you're left being like, they didn't need to do that. And I, it's a near-perfect film. What do you think? Yeah. I think it was a little bit too long. I think they should have let him go at the end. I think that they didn't go a little bit less. I think they went too much at the end. But I really hated Ed Harris's hat. Me and Mark talked about this pretty much. <laughs> like he wore that stupid yes. beret every single scene, and it really made him seem one-dimensional. And the he had beret. no, no on, human the, on, I can't remember. Are those called Kangle hats? Do you know? I don't remember. I do, yeah, I don't remember. It was just I, so I barely noticed it. Nick really bother. hates it. Nick. I, I, really, I, I, think, I think Ed Harris was a bad villain. I think he was one-dimensional. I think there's so much they could have done with him and they didn't. That's a big complaint for this movie. And, you know, and on a business side, I'm also wondering, like, why did you not protect your star? It's like the Packers and Aaron Rodgers right now, you know? Like, he's the talent of their... He's the face of their organization. He didn't even try to negotiate with him or go to him or try to see I, what I they don't could know figure he, out. I think he saw forward. that he didn't have a choice. He, he, he tried to put it on him and he tried to say, basically, hey... You're happy here. I built a perfect world for you. I think he yeah, realized. Yeah, I don't know. He I don't know. I don't know what he could have said to keep. He never I mean, tried to find out what Truman wanted from this all when he found out, or he never tried to. I mean, you I know, think he roll with the what times. Was out there. No, he just wanted everything to stay the same. Like he was just—he was a bad villain. He really was. Uh, well, I don't think he's a villain necessarily. I think. I, think I hate putting that. I hate putting that label on him because. So I, thought he had, I thought he had dimensions. He has that nice scene where he like he's like petting the TV almost. Like this was really his child. Like it, it was, was there was a exactly. real father like complex. And, and to, it was I actually no, found no, no, a no. lot of he didn't, he didn't give a shit about Truman. I mean that's yeah, a fact. Oh, he, he totally father like complex. He did not. 
He totally he cared did. about the he cared about the ratings and keeping people. No, he watching. cared. It was his creation. He had a god I mean, complex. He, how could he, he not absolutely care about had a Truman. god complex? He's invested over thirty years into Truman. He he in the end of the even though he he has that moment where he's pressed and he's like, why can't I have the first death on there? But I never believed he was really going to do it. He was just trying everything he could to like to stop him. And I actually going back, I love I love allegory. I love allegory and metaphors, and actually the whole time I was thinking during that film, I was thinking of kids leaving for college or going going away or moving away. I and can't believe you hated basically, Ed Harris in this basically, <laughs> Ed Har- basically, Nick, Ed Harris that whole time was resisting his child going to college or moving away. No, that's a he was trying to keep him. He was trying to keep him no. in his home, this utopian world that he built for him. That That's he thought reach. was perfect. I, I don't see it that way at all. I just because of a like beret. Yeah. It's a reach because of a beret. <laughs> no, no, no. Career. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Career corner. <laughs> um, not. We're gonna, we won't do Ed Harris this week, Nick. So you've been spared. We're gonna talk about Peter Weir. Jump I'll talk in Peter on Weir, and you, you, you want to go Jim? Oh, let me go. Okay. Well, yeah, Peter Weir. I have a little um, bit on stuff on Jim Carrey. Some cool stuff on Jim Carrey. Not too much, but some my, cool factoids for you also. Do uh, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? No, I don't care. Nick, Nick, who do you want to hear? Dealer's choice. Jim Carrey or Peter Weir first? Peter Weir first. Go all for right. it, Han. Peter Weir. Instead of talking, going through like all his movies or whatever, I'm going to talk a little bit. What I love a director that has similar themes throughout all of his films. And there's lots of themes that can be found in almost all of Peter Weir's films, but I wrote down three specifically. The first one is what I was talking about. He's obsessed with cultures, utopia, and institutions. Dead Poets Society, also culture, also the cult, um, a utopian society. This is basically um, the ruling class, and these boys are about to inherit the world. They're the riches. They're in northeastern like society. They're going to go to the Princetons, the Yales, the Ivy Leagues, and basically, um, from an outside looking in, it'd be like we'd want our kids there. Like people would be jealous, but on the inside, there's cracks, and it's not as perfect as you might think. Um, but again, that institution tries to impose itself on those boys. The second big theme in Peter Weir movies is Innocence Lost. Uh, witness, it's very obvious with the boy, the Amish boy witnesses the murder. Um, there's themes of it in Mosquito Coast where basically he has this view of a utopia and his kids are like idealize the father that takes them there and then they basically realize there are no utopias. And Truman Show, Innocence Lost, basically... He like he loses his innocence once he realizes that this world isn't quite what it is, and there's a lot more, and he's been manipulated. And the third thing in almost all Peter Weir films is rebellion. So Truman rebels ultimately against this world and against his godlike father, Kristoff, uh, Nick's weak villain. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's I just think it's super cool when a director has. Uh, themes that he likes to re-explore and he somehow integrates them into each of his movies. Uh, Mark, give us some Jim Carrey. So at age 10, good old Canadian Carrey writes a letter to Carol Burnett of the Carol Burnett Show basically saying that he was already a master of impressions and should be considered for a role on the show. He doesn't get that role, but he does get overjoyed when he gets a letter back from Carol Burnett at least. But uh, So in 83, he gets his big moment, Time to Shine, when he moves to L.A. and he's doing some comedy store, uh, performing at the comedy store. 
and he gets uh, his gig for the Tonight Show. That's his immediate career goal, right? He wants to be on the Tonight Show. And he's got it locked up, but then all of a sudden he shits the bed on a stand-up set uh, for a late-night show, and they got wind of it, and they cut him from the show. Ouch, it's ouch, a bad ouch. beat. Yeah. That is a bad beat, bad beat. So he's back on the comedy club circuit doing impressions, and he finally, in like the mid to late 80s, but he gets his big break... Uh, he doesn't get his big break until in Living Color. He fails on SNL auditions. Doesn't make it. He's auditioning with Dennis Miller, John Lovitz, Nora Dunn. They all make it. He doesn't make it. Or no, he was auditioning for in front of them. My apologies. He was auditioning with Dana Carvey and Phil Hartman, who made it. And Phil Hartman, rest in peace, by the way. But so yeah, he gets his big break in, in Living Color, which you guys remember, Fire Marshal well, Bill, obviously, right? And that helps him land his early film roles, which gave him that box office clout. Those three, that three-headed monster that Jeff mentioned in the beginning in '94, that nobody knew was a three-headed monster until after it happened. So maybe one of the like, best single years in like box office history. Yeah, it's incredible. And for the one <laughs> movies where we, in case you aren't, aren't uh, ringing a bell from earlier, it's the first Ace Ventura came out, and then The Mask came out, and then Dumb and Dumber. And we and were we were all did. we were all what thirteen year old boys like we were the perfect time to enjoy those movies. Yeah, like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> they were all in our wheelhouse for sure. And then he did the Cable Guy, and that was a little weird for us because we were it's such no, a good I know movie, we though. I love it too. It's so, but, but it's it was such, it was different. It's a yeah. much better movie in college than when we saw it Agreed. for the first time. Let Agreed. me put it that way. It's it's definitely darker, and it's a good movie though. Well, and it was a, it was a sure. bomb originally, and it oh it, absolutely it, it grew into a like kind of a cult classic later. Absolutely, absolutely. So Jim Carrey was Peter Weir's first choice to play Truman from the outset. And uh, he said that being constantly watched by fans and paparazzi basically helped him relate to Truman and made this pretty easy for him. But he cast Jim Carrey after seeing him in Ace Ventura because he reminded him of Charlie Chaplin. And in case those, in case you guys, sense. I know, I know Jeff knows. I, I don't know if Nick knows how much I love Charlie Chaplin, but I, anytime I get a Charlie Chaplin reference, I'm all in. So that made like, me I, really happy. As a big Charlie Chaplin fan, how do you like the comparison? That's actually oh, I love it. I mean, it made comparison. sense because I mean, he was I mean, very he was such animated, a phys- yeah. physical comedian in Ace Ventura, and we hadn't really seen that, and that's what made that initial role. Like, you know, remember when he just opens that sliding glass door and he's just yelling well, in, like stupid stuff, and it in just all worked. his films, he might be our most. I don't know why I've never. I mean, I, you always think of him as impressions or whatever. He might be our most gifted physical comedian. Yeah, I can't think of anybody better in the last it, thirty years. Uh, I, yeah, I think you're right. I, I would agree with that. But so, and then my last little note here about Jim Carrey for this role. So, at the, because of those three movies in '94, he became a, the b- biggest box office star, really. Right. Him and Tom Hanks. And Twenty million he was getting, a movie. He got twenty million. Twenty million. million. I remember when that became a thing. And he, yeah, he totally became a thing. But he took a pay cut for this movie, and he it only twelve million. And this Chase movie and was made on a sixty million dollar budget. But he, he and he was twelve million of that sixty million. But it he it was just this. He's a really successful, but it didn't come easy. And, and I love the the hard work he put in for that early comedy career. And he failed, and he didn't he didn't give up. He moved over here. He you know he lived in Toronto and he moved to L.A. and tried yeah. to make it happen. And he 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 fought to make it happen. 
and he was hellbent because he was he got he got comedy bits for his impressions and but his impressions weren't getting him anywhere with the SNL and so he knew he had to change it up and so he started to create characters for his comedy bits and then the people that were booking him for his impressions were like oh my god no now he's doing stuff that's not an impression and so then they were freaking out so it's just amazing that it all came together and holy cow did it ever right with these you know with a 20 million dollar career and you know I don't want to jump into his career. We, you know, let's not waste our time with any of that. But oh, there's too much. No, no, no. Yeah, that, exactly. I like how he got there. Is uh, no, and it's there's. I mean, he has all kinds of stories of like just growing up and like doing practicing routines in front of his classmates. Yeah. Like he always believed and wanted to be a comedian. Always. I mean, like I say, he wrote Which a letter to so Carol Burnett cool. when he was ten years old, saying he was ready to be on the show as an impersonator. Like, well, what what kind of stones do you have to have to do that? Jim Carrey, and, man, I, and he was you know he was that confident, and it, obviously it paid off. He, spade, he finished off the decade so strong too, and that, I think he'd forever be remembered as almost Mister Nineties. You know, I mean this this and Man on the Moon finished out his decade, and I think this I mean I, I mean yeah, I think he has a lot to do with Batman with the huge box office the Batman Forever had to do. I think people were excited to see him as the Riddler. Oh, because uh, he was such a like. I remember I was. I was like, absolutely. Jim Carrey, the villain. That's he's, perfect. He's actually watchable in that movie. That movie's right. not. It's not a terrible Batman. So I I agree with you on that. Actually, Tommy I think Lee it Jones gets is too... watchable. He's over the top, but he's still watchable. But it's it's watch. It's and not Uma Thurman. Is that is Uma Thurman in that one too? No, she's in the next one. Oh, she's, she's in the, the disaster. She's in the, the disaster. disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like to end the '90s. You're kind of like, all right. Well, Jim Carrey's no longer a comedy star. He's kind of a drama star. I mean, he won for sure because he did Man Wars. on the Moon and then he did Eternal Sunshine. And Eternal Sunshine is top fifty material for me. Right. Really, but but this I, too. I mean, that's my favorite. I think that's my favorite Jim Carrey movie. Is Eternal. I Sunshine. consider this more more drama than I would comedy. So I'm going to lump this in there too. You know? Oh, yeah, I'm with sure. you for sure. Oh, I agree. He's, this he's is totally got a three headed monster with drama. In my opinion, it's yeah. Truman Show, Man on the Moon, and then Eternal Sunshine. And I I have a midnight pondering. Is Jim Carrey better in drama or comedy? Ooh, that's a good pondering. I think uh, ultimately drama. Yeah, hell yeah, it's a good pondering. It kept me up all night last night. Because yeah. <laughs> actually, my favorite movies of his are not his comedies. Exactly. That's a Truman Show, point. Eternal Sunshine, and Dumb and Dumber. Are my well, he's super favorite. similar. Okay, so and Dumb I've and Dumber is totally slapstick. So. I've always thought he was our generation's Robin Williams. Um. Because the same kind of thing, like Robin Williams, his favorite film, like, I mean, his guy's funny as hell, but my favorite Robin Williams films are not comedies either. They're obviously his dramas. Um, and, are you talking yeah. Good Will Hunting and Dead Poets Society? Yeah. That's well, Good Morning I Vietnam. I, I mean, um, that's a, yeah, I mean, he's a com- he's that's comedy, though. That me. is comedy. Okay. But not, not Dead and, Poets and... and uh, and Mrs. And, Doubtfire. I'll always be a fan of Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, yeah, for sure. Hello there. But I like Goodwill. Hello I, Oh, he's there. great. He's great. But I, I do prefer Goodwill Hunting and Deadpool. Yeah, I love him in Goodwill Hunting. I think to obviously. answer your pondering, for me, probably probably drama. I mean, drama. I think I'm it's thinking drama. so, too. I'm thinking I think so, too. Drama. So I'm going to break out a stat for my category here, just because it's perfect timing to do so. He got nominated for five five Golden Globes. The only one he won was for both drama, for The Truman Show and Man on the Moon, back-to-back. Best actor. That's right. And he, he didn't even good. get a damn Oscar good. nomination for Best Actor, I believe, for this movie. Did you, even though he won the Golden Globe. What did you think of The Majestic, Mark? I don't hate that movie like everybody does. but So I, I have I a tidbit that. for The Majestic. I liked it. What if I told you guys that I have a robe from Jim Carrey and, and the, Majestic? the Majestic? I think we talked cool. about it in another movie. I, 
I but I mean, I it just came. You just brought it up. So what do I think of the majestic? I think I have a robe that Jim Carrey bought me. <laughs> there you go. And he doesn't know it. <laughs> I in my I, closet. I that movie gets a lot of hate, and I don't know why. I think it's I don't think it's great, but I think it's good. I like it. Um, I've probably only seen it the one time, and I, I enjoyed watching it. I think I liked it because it's all about the magic yeah, of going. It. It's yeah, about the magic of once. going to the movies. And yeah, I know. I remember. Theater, I remember loving it. A theater is a magic place it. for me too. So, yeah, you know. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, Metal. Metal podium. Yeah. Metals. Heck yeah! Let's do it. I'm jumping right in because obviously uh, my honorable mention goes to Laura Linney, Wendy Bird. I love me Wendy some. Wendy Bird. I love me some Wendy Bird. So Laura Linney's always going to be known as Wendy Bird for me because I've now spent what thirty hours with that character. But this is where that party first started. Yeah. <coughs> And she's great. Excuse me. But uh, I gave my bronze medal to Kristoff, and I, I feel like I feel yes. like Nick's going to be yes. mad at me, but Ed Harris is definitely getting a medal for me. I feel like he just plays the jerk great, and he's kind of a jerk. And he did his job, and I love that scene where he's earning, like I said, where he's earning the Emmy. <laughs> because he's playing this pompous director, and he plays it perfect. It, it, yep. It's great. I think it works, and I think the hat n- not working for you should make his character work even more for you, because it makes sense for his character to have that hat. It would be a jerk move to have that hat. I I it, like I yeah. like where you're going with that. <laughs> yeah. And then my silver medal goes to Peter Weir, and this movie's great. And he made the writer go. I I don't know if the writer, I read the writer had to do 12 rewrites and I read he had to do 16 rewrites before Peter Weir agreed to make this movie. Wow. Can you imagine? So let's just call it 15. Oh, I didn't know that. That, That's fascinating. Yeah, isn't that nuts? So Peter (laughs) Weir was, he was was like, I'm willing to make this movie, but I need you. you gotta fix it. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta fix it. And originally it was way darker and and they, he just wanted it to be lighter, but lighter without Jim Carrey being slapsticky, and that's you know, uh, it's, it's it's such dark. It's a fine line. I think he made the right call because oh, it was perfect. This it movie was great. too, this movie too dark is just a little oh, too great. uncomfortable. You know, I love it. Yeah, I love, I'm with you on that. I love this whole scene. I, I mean, I love it. Oh, and can we just? I forget the best friend's name. <laughs> the best friend plays a really great best fake breast of Marlon. Right? Yeah, Marlon. Marlon. I, I hope Marlon won some Emmys because Marlon really sold the best friend. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then I gave my gold. I gave my gold medal to Jim Carrey, of course. I, I really think this is one of my. I don't know if it's my favorite or if Eternal Sunshine's my favorite, but they're both right there. So Jim Carrey gets the gold. It was a great rewatch. I was really, God, I was really blown away with how good the rewatch was. Nick, what are your medals? You know, I'd sooner give Peter Krause a medal before I would Ed Harris, but I'm not going to do either. <laughs> I love. Did, did anybody Peter notice Krause. Peter Krause is in this one? Huh? Peter did anybody notice Paul this? Giamatti? What about Paul Giamatti? Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, whoa! I know Paul Giamatti was in this. Where was Peter Krause in this? He, he was his boss. Remember, he kept telling him he needed to take on more work, or he was oh going to get laid gosh. off. Oh shit! Was, you're right. That was yeah. Peter Krause. Yeah, he's just that very was... unrecognizable. And um, I would go Peter Weir. Bronze. I think. I mean, I'm not really a big fan of his. All those movies that Jeff listed, I, I, I'm not really on board with. But I thought that this is probably <laughs> his best movie. So I think that for that is metal worthy. I think They're a Silver too would deep for Nico. Yeah, Silver would go to Laura Linney. I, I'm a big fan of hers too. And I Wendy think Wendy Bird, come yeah. on down. Here's yeah, your medal. I, and that's just proof right there. Right, 22 years later, she's still doing it. But she's doing it better than ever. Yeah. Right. And she's amazing. 
She's yeah, she was great. She was beautiful in this too. I mean, she was. She, I'm with. Yeah, you. yeah. And Jim Carrey, obviously, for for taking a career chance, Jim Carrey gold. You know, like he had something that was working, and he pivoted before he needed to. And I think that as far as careers in Hollywood goes, that's as rare and rarely, even rarely, does it even work out. And I think that he just completed the '90s. I mean, he would he was uppercutting the '90s left and right. And I think ending with this, A Man in the Moon, was just. I mean, he had good people behind him. You know that. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. I think, isn't Paul Giamatti in Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey, too? Oh, I think he might be, actually. Well, I think you're right. Isn't he the co-star in that with him? Anyways, Jeff, what are your medals? Yeah, so I'm conflicted now after the um, some of that knowledge you just dropped on me, Mark. I I had, uh, uh, well, first of all, my honorable mention goes out to Karen from Californication, or Sylvia. She's just, she plays the perfect girl who got away. Um my bronze I was going to give to Andrew Nico, the writer. I guess I still will because I think it's a really good story and a really good concept. Um, literally, we talked about this movie predicting the future, and this dude predicted the future. I got conflicted because it sounds like Peter Weir had a lot to do with how good it was, but um, still he came up with the idea, and the idea is the thing that stands. So I'm giving Andrew the uh, bronze. And Peter Weir didn't want to write it. Peter Weir said, no, you've got better. You're the writer. you to go be better. <laughs> And so he, he pushed paid. him. He pushed him out of this. He, it was great. It was That's a great call. So yeah, yeah. Andrew Nico, he gets the uh, bronze. Um, wrote wrote Gattaca, and there's one other th- else. I noticed with these writers, they have like two or three good ones in them, and it seems like there's not a lot of others listed. Yeah. It was the same. Well, he with got nominated one. for an Oscar for this. It was it was good. Um, yeah. Silver goes to Jim Carrey. Uh, he's fantastic in this. Um, I think. Second best performance. I like him in Eternal Sunshine, but I mean, it's they're both great performances. It's hard to say one over the other. Jim Carrey's fantastic in this, and my gold goes to Peter Weir, uh, a master of his craft, and this movie's perfectly crafted in every way. Um, the, yeah, gold to Peter Weir. Don't have to sell you guys anymore how much of a fan <laughs> I am of him. If you believe they put it's, a uh, man on the moon, the man on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> little REM action before we get into some midnight ponderings because it is that time for so it's, it's a little past it is literally past midnight so <laughs> this will it be good. is it is and All so right. I said did we miss out on a sequel that would have had potential to be great or did we have enough Truman in the real world and we or do we need Truman I don't want I, I would have watched sequel. it I would have watched, I it, watched it I I don't. I like us not knowing. I don't knowing. think we need it. Yeah, I like us not knowing, but I would have watched it. Because I'm okay. I, like, I don't mind seeing the Truman well, that, and that steps on in love story. That steps on one of my ponderings, Mark. What happens to Truman? That, give, me the run, uh, give me the quick rundown of his life after, after he leaves the show. But I think that was the beauty the that we talked about. Is less is more. Is he, he's free now. No, we I know. Need it is. Him. But I, I, I really, I'm really shocked that they didn't try to make a damn sequel. I'm glad they didn't. For every other movie. <laughs> I'm okay with but, them not doing it. Like but I, I, I know what you're saying. It is shocking yeah. that they didn't try. Yeah. Um, so all right. What else do I have here? Why, did you have any others, Mark? Sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, no, I just... Um, I've already answered them all. Except I said... Oh, I just... Well, we've yeah, we've already talked about it. The only other thing I said 23 years later, how much has life imitated art in this case? Right. You know, here we are. It's kind of a very rare thing for movies and a beautiful thing, too, right? Like, we, we don't have a lot of movies today that are going to be relevant, more relevant in 20 years. Than, than they were that, yeah. 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 So and crazy. And how about, how about we snuck up on this? I don't think either any of us knew how that was going to be the case when we chose this as our rewatch. Yeah. I don't think so either. That's a good point. Why, uh, why did they tell Truman there was a world outside of Sea Haven? 
like liter- literally all they had to do was tell him that like it it all died in like nuclear war or something and there was nothing else and then he's not trying to travel all over the place right <laughs> the big mistake was telling him that fiji was a place right right like they but, control this entire world why would they think that why would they tell him there's anything outside of if, if anything the producers were really lucky that the internet wasn't around yet you know or else well but i was I thought about that, but then honestly, it wouldn't matter because if you did this today, let's if you were allowed to do this with beyond all the ethical and legal problems, right? You just wouldn't introduce the internet. Yeah, you you would introduce it in 1950s world where there is no internet, right? Uh, and everybody, um, and that's where they screwed up. Just tell them seaside sea havens all there is. Uh, uh, my other question was along those same lines: if they wanted to make Truman truly content and happy in his life, so he didn't want to leave it. Then why did they make him an insurance salesman? Yeah, well, no. they they actually said he he had a corporate sit job. Remember his friend, the vending machine stalker, said, "You've got a good office job. You've got you that know? desk job." Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, right. And they could have totally manipulated his. Well, obviously they did, but Let's they could him. have made his job better for him at any that's point. That's what I'm trying if to he, say. If, Just make if him he, if alluded he alluded to, to not that's what liking he wanted. his job. Yeah. That's true. And finances weren't that good for Truman. His wife kept bickering at him about not saving enough money, right? So clearly yeah. his job, his desk job wasn't that good. No, and they weren't... In, exactly. And Well, because they, they were never they really... Paying. That's a good point. They were never really... They were all about giving Truman just enough. But they were totally fine with, yeah, we're going to create some drama. Let's send him to a client over on the island so we can watch him contemplate if he gets on the boat or not. <laughs> how great is how great is Jim Carrey in that scene where he just like where he just like slowly steps, he's just waiting to see the boat leave? Like he's so good in that scene. <laughs> I love the guy looking out the ticket window like is he going to do it? Is he <laughs> Like the the ticket salesman is just watching him. Is he gonna finally go? Like it, it's almost like we've seen this scene play out. Yep. You know, twenty times. Or before. how quickly? How quickly everybody gets off the bus when it wrecks, but him. Oh my! And he just stays there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good scene. <laughs> the bus driver trying to figure out how to break the bus. <laughs> he purposely <laughs> fucking obviously breaks the fucking or, bus. Or and the he bus doesn't. Dri- he, how about the bus driver when they're at the boat and the same bus driver's like. I don't know how to drive a boat. I'm, I'm a just an driver. actor. <laughs> That's good stuff. That was good. That's that was all good. I had for ponderings. <laughs> yeah. Anything keep you up at night, Nico? No, nothing. I slept well. So there's a lot we missed, but uh, I, well, not necessarily things we missed, but I've got a, some great notes. I got here. some good notes too. Go right into it, Mark. I I love that. I don't know if you guys saw that every street name and every actor in Sea Haven was referred to actual movie actors, like Barrymore Road and Merrill Merrill Streep and stuff like that. Um, Truman was supposed to be just out of high school, but Jim Carrey was in his thirties, obviously, so it got swapped from teenage angst to more of a midlife crisis. That you see that there is an actual mental illness and delusion called the Truman Show delusion, uh, yes, which yes, is yes, yes. super common. Uh, I mean, as common as crazy delusions are, where individuals are convinced that his or her life are being televised twenty four seven, just like, and everybody's just manipulating everything around him, just like the film. Um, how many shows have I? To have a delusion named after him. Or how many movies? I thought that was cool. No, uh, it was. I had that... Uh, this film is studied in media ethics class courses regularly. 
Uh, this was pushed a year back for the filming of both The Cable Guy and Liar Liar. I thought that was interesting. Um, cast and crew, anybody that came to visit the set was forbidden from uttering phrases from Jim Carrey's past silly movies. I thought, I that, was, it, I thought it was fascinating that they had to make that ban on the set. I mean, imagine though, Jim Carrey's just walking by and some guy's like, smoking! Yeah, right. <laughs> How annoying and unfocused that would make you? Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. I yeah. totally get it. Did you guys see the whole Psalm 39, 139 stuff with the? Yeah, that's what you were talking about, Nick, with the number one thirty nine. The yep, the, the the you know the paraphrased references, and did you guys see? Do you guys know what Psalm one thirty nine was? No, uh-uh. it's one of the most popular passages in all of uh, literature, religious literature, about the miracle of human conception and birth. That's where David declares that God is present at conception and birth because we're made in the image of God and he has a special plan and purpose for each person who is born. That was the whole Christoph and Truman connection there. But uh, And speaking of Ed, Ed Harris and Jim Carrey, they never met during the entire filming of this wow, movie. Wow, really? Yep. That's Isn't that weird? That's really interesting. I know. That's I cool know. for like that because they, since they never meet face to face, that actually yeah. is interesting for like the acting of it. Yeah, Nick, back on your notes of the media, media ethics, they, they use it to study Marlon as the best friend, the fake best friend, and the and they use it, the prostituting of Truman's wife. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, it is a good pondering to make you wonder, like, gosh, so obviously they had to sleep with each other. They got well, they, married. They wanted her that. to get pregnant. They kicked yeah, her off because she couldn't get pregnant. <laughs> you know, was she taking birth control on the slide? Probably. <laughs> Oh, how great is that scene when she just when she has the knife and she's just screw she's like, This is unprofessional. Yeah. The peeler? The peeler and the chopper. And the, yeah. yeah. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when we see Kristoff in the interview. Oh, Meryl's gonna be written out of the show. <laughs> Truman's gonna have a new love interest. <laughs> Did you see what Siskel and Ebert said about this when yeah. they reviewed it? Uh-uh. They not only gave it two thumbs up, but they gave an on-air apology to Jim Carrey for saying that he would never have a career when they gave Ace Ventura that a is horrible review. Awesome. That is. How about that? That's great, huh? How many people? And Dennis Hopper was originally supposed to be Kristoff, but he walked off the set after his first day. And that's why Ed Harris replaced him, which might be why you don't like Ed Harris, because yeah, right. he didn't have much time to prepare for this movie. Why did he walk off the set? He, well, I don't know. He stormed off. I don't know why, but then he ended up being a supporting role in Ed TV, <laughs> which you know has the similarities to this movie. Right. About, I always enjoyed Ed TV. Talking about art imitating life, there are now currently roughly 750 reality TV shows on the mm. air. Yeah. Jesus. Unreal. Unreal. Anything else, Nico? No, that's it. Jeff, you got anything else? No. Me neither. I'm just, we should, we cleaned off the dinner plate there. Final <laughs> thoughts, everybody. What do you got, Jeff? Final thoughts? Uh, this this is an excellent movie. I need to write a top fifty so I can say what I'm officially when a movie's in the top fifty or not. But kind of got say, top fifty. That's why you know now you know how you got to work this one in and take something out. This yeah, one has a, this one has a real shot at it because this this is a good movie. Yeah, I think. What, what Jeff said at the very beginning in the intro about predicting the future, I, I think that's a perfect way to put it. And I, I wish we had more movies like this and we don't get enough of them. And if so, they get forgotten. But I hope there's movies coming out there right now where characters are pivot or 
famous actors are pivoting. They, they see something special. There had to have been something special in this that made Jim Carrey want to do it on the trajectory yeah. of where he was headed. So I hope there's more actors out there that are looking at the same thing. And I mean, actors are different nowadays, but I just, I'm really proud thing, of this movie. I yeah. wonder how much, all right, this is, I know we're on final thoughts, but I have to get this thought out there. Because uh, I thought about this a lot. I thought about it during this movie. Uh-huh. How many movies are not being made now because they're being turned into television series? I really feel like if the concept of Truman Show was mm-hmm. pitched today, it would be right. a 12-episode on either HBO Max or Netflix. Netflix, yeah. yeah. And I wonder how many movies aren't being made because they're now being turned into TV series. Right. Many Sorry, series. I didn't mean to step on No, I mean, I just I hope that actors are taking more chances and, and making yeah. movies like this because it paid off. It did. And For sure. I, yeah. Go ahead, Mark. No, I just, you know, I I just wanted to note that this rewatch really made me realize how I miss Jim Carrey's dramatic acting and him taking risks like he did with this. And, you know, the few films we mentioned after Man on the Moon and Eternal Sunshine specifically. Yeah. And I just have in my, you know, my final notes, we need some more serious Jim. Yeah. Is he retired? When, when's the last thing he'd done? Did I mean, he had a bad 20, 2020-2010 decade. But yeah, he, he's had a, you know, and I don't know if he just didn't care. You know, he had a bunch yeah. of money. He's into painting now. Right. He's into like, making, you know, political paintings and stuff He like has. That, I don't know so. if you've, if you ever watched uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. He, yeah. he has one of the more bonkers episodes. He just did Biden on SNL for yeah. last year. That's so just doing all that. And sometimes runs aren't meant to last forever, you know, and it's he true. had a hell of a one. No, you know? yeah, for sure. It's and true. I don't, you know, maybe he just wants to kick his feet up on the beach because he earned it, right? I mean, right. shit. I would if I was he, him. And that's what I think he might be doing because I literally in the know 90s. And he was making twenty million a movie on those. Right. That guy yeah. has some money in the bank. He's worth one hundred eighty million dollars. Yeah. Right. And I knew he. I know he's literally doing paintings right now. He's totally into painting. And I mean, that sounds relaxing. Why wouldn't he do it by the beach somewhere? Hopefully, that's what he's doing. So yeah. Well, anyways, on behalf of Jeff and uh, Nick and myself, thanks again, everybody, for listening to another edition of Movie Tales. We'll see you next time. Woo.